And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm just sitting here and, you know, I'm trying to get some capital together and I bought a ticket to DC and I was going to head on down because that's where the capital is, right? Well, I mean, the government sure spends it like it's (laughs) like there's never ending supply of it. So, yeah. (laughs) Wait, I'm trying to access working capital. That's where they work at the capital, right? (laughs) No, they don't really work there either. (laughs) Oh man, I might be really, I might be confused. I mean, I, I, here I showed up to do part 12 of our series about how to start a tech company. And, you know, I'm supposed to talk about accessing working capital. So I bought a ticket to Washington, DC. I'm leaving and like right after this show. Well, man, have fun. I need to cancel. I mean, I might not have a clue. I mean, what does matter is knowing that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Payoneer, where you can get up to 750 grand in working capital instantly to grow your Amazon or Walmart stores from inventory to advertising. If you visit payoneer.com forward slash funding today for all of your e-commerce financing needs, there's even a special fee and rebate for listeners of Startup Hustle. Now, so. Don't don't tell my wife about this. She's gonna go get seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to spend on Amazon and Walmart. That's what I heard. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. So here's I, I finally read into this. So here's the definition of working capital. It's clearly not what I had in mind. Uh, working capital is the money available to meet your current and short term obligations. Oh, that kind of working capital. So okay. Well, which is not which is not the same thing as raising capital that you plan to burn and not pay and it's back. also it, it's also not the same thing as the capital so no. okay all right well that's good to know so you know look working capital is is and by the way i do know what working capital is but working capital is 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 a central part of any business and without it Life is a lot more difficult and things are a lot more stressful at the business. How do I know that? Because I've been on both sides. Because you run a business. I've had a lot of working capital and sometimes I haven't. So Sometimes you refer to to it as plate spinning, right? Yeah, well, it can be. And, you know, that's the thing. And, and one, I mean, we like to, we like to use real life examples. And sometimes when your business is growing really fast, people are like, wow, that's a really good thing. And you're, it's easy to sit back and go, not always. Not, not if you don't always. have the working capital. That's the thing. You got to yeah, have the working capital. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so that's the issue. And, you know, when businesses grow quickly, your working capital can get sucked up. When you don't manage your accounts receivables or your relationships with those that you do business with, yeah. 
it can be the same problem. And overall, if you don't increase your sales or grow your revenue, you could, your working capital can also dry up. That All of that said, there's a lot of things that exist. And, you know, like when I think about working capital in some regards, too, I think about one of our mentors uh, and one of Kansas City's greatest startups, Sandy Kemper and C2FO. Yeah. Like that, mm -hmm. that is a huge platform uh, that, uh, I mean, you know, does billions of dollars worth of working capital. And what does that mean? In that case, it means that they are able to provide funding for the businesses to do what they need to do ahead of them being able to collect the money from those that they're doing business with. Well, and let's, let's use, uh, let's say full scale as an example for this, right? Let's say StackFi owes full scale, $100,000 a month in services is easy number, right? Well, if we paid you on April 1st for this, um, for the services, you'd be able to pay the employees and do all those things during April, right? No big deal. But if instead full scale build us net 30 at the end of April, now all of a sudden we not, we may not pay you till like May 30th for work you did in April. So that means you had to pay all those employees and all that stuff. And you're floating all that money. And that's where the working capital gets really critical and serious. And, and it's not that you haven't earned the money, right? You performed the work, you're going to get paid, but it takes working capital to bridge that gap. Yeah. And that's actually a real life situation. So, you know, Matt and I own full scale together and we do services, tech services, go to fullscale.io. You can check it out. But when we started the business, we were at first providing a month of service and then we'd send an invoice and we'd uh, want to get paid within 15 to 30 days. And at first that seemed like a reasonable thing to build the business around. And then we started growing pretty quickly. And I sat back one day and started doing math. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to be carrying millions of dollars of receivables, meaning yep. outstanding invoices and things that we haven't been paid for yet. And that created a whole lot of problematic situations because one, you're on the you're on the hook for that until you get paid. Now, business school will teach you that receivables are assets, but you still need to get paid for them. You can't pay and the that bill money for them. Has, <laughs> that money has to, yeah, that money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. You can't wave IOUs to your employees and be like, yeah, trust me, we're going to get paid. So we started looking at that and we realized we had to do something different. And we immediately changed our billing practices. So we would invoice our clients on the month that they were the first of the month that yeah. they were about to receive service in. And then we collect money on the 10th. Now that did a few things for us because one, it stabilized that cash flow. And it also very importantly gave us a health check on our clients' abilities to keep their accounts current. And when I say current, meaning their bills on time. So yep. I'll give you an example. If we're doing business with a startup and they're having problems with working capital, if you're billing people in arrears and holding receivables and stuff like that, you could get months down the road before you realize, oh shit, these people aren't going to pay you. And that's not great either. Cause that can, I mean, now that's like a double whammy on the working yeah. capital. Cause not only are you not collecting it, you've also created an opportunity cost where whatever you could have sold or the services you could have provided were not available to give to someone else. Yeah. And here, and here's another example of working capital. So at Stackify, we have customers that pay us annually. 
So let's say normally we do $500,000 a month in revenue by like gap accounting, right? But we might actually get $300,000 in revenue this month, but then we have customers who pay annually. And then when they pay annually, we get these huge sums of money in, right? But then monthly, we don't get as much money coming in because of the big annual payments. So we have to take those big annual payments and keep the money in the bank because we re- kind of received it all in advance because if we spend it all that day, uh, next month, we're not going to make as much money. So, you know, cut, you know, businesses that do, they do get p- paid in advance or get paid for annual, you've got to keep excess working capital around for a while because, you know, you're not going to make as much money in the future too. So it's wor- working capital is a tricky thing to, to continue to track and deal with. Yeah, and for those that that have businesses that are young or smaller, this part of the business and growing your business is often really frustrating because you lose out to the big guy a lot. And I say that because, uh, all right, so we look at like at Startup Hustle TV, Eric Perkins and a builder, all right? So, you know, they often provide, they yeah. buy all the materials and then do whatever, and then they get paid you know, in stages along the line from the bank. And, you know, that can be tricky too, because they're funding it and waiting to get paid. And the problem is, is for a lot of small businesses is you won't have the ability to access money to get to fulfill that mega order. Now, this series is about tech companies, which is a little different than a product maker. And that's what C2FO does is they actually will help you fund your receivables so you can manufacture a product and send it to Costco or wherever and, you know, and, and help bridge that gap. So when it comes to accessing working capital, a lot of times that needs to occur due to seasonal differences in cash flow, like that can occur. And that, and what you mentioned, like your example, that getting paid annually is, I would call that a seasonal difference, but in some cases, some businesses surge in the fourth quarter. And if they don't have access to working capital at that time of the year, that's going to mean the other nine months are going to suck. Yeah. The key is a lot of businesses have ebbs and flows. And, you know, we mentioned pay and ear earlier. And a lot of times a business needs, just needs a little money, right? We just need a hundred grand or 50 grand, whatever it is. So we can make payroll for a couple of weeks and then, we're good. Like we got lots of receivables. We got customers who did the work. They're going to pay, but we just got to bridge the gap. Right. And a lot of times that's where the working capital comes in. Yeah. So, you know, uh, other, other reason or, or scenario is, you know, to fund obligations to suppliers, employees, and the government while waiting for payments from customers. Um, you can also look at like, you know, in some cases, working capital can provide a big asset if you have the ability to, to gain supplier discounts from some kind of bulk purchase. Now, in the situation that you mentioned with an annual payment, are you giving those clients or, or people a discount for paying annually? A lot of times they do. Yeah, it could be 10% or 15% or 20%, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's now for for those of you listening, that's a big win for your business because what do they say? A bird in hand is worth two in the bush because, you know, you've got the money there and that can fund some other stuff along the way. Now, when it comes to tech and the scalability of it, I mean, that that I would imagine at your business, Matt, that, that that is a big asset to be able to get paid and know because you're you're retaining that client for a year as well. You know that. And also, hey, here's the money up front. Well, if you have a lot of customers are paying annually, what's interesting 
when you think about gap accounting and recognized revenue, earned revenue, you may not actually be making any money, but from a cash flow perspective, you should be you could be doing great because you're getting lots of upfront annuals. But you know, it takes a few months for that recognized revenue to, to kick in. And um, that's one of the great things about charging customers annual is you can pull all that cash forward. Um, and as long as they keep renewing, it just keeps stacking up. Um, year over year, those big renewals keep coming in. It's a beautiful thing. Now, and if you're on the buying side of that, just just while we're on the subject, if you're on the buying side of that and you know you're going to use a service for the next 12 months, like you know it, you know you're going to use it, right? And you you have working capital, you can leverage that because now you're going to save any type, who knows? Any, yeah, you know, anywhere from whatever percent could be a lot. And you know, that, that begins to add up and it's smart business decisions like that that can really make a difference when it comes to growing your business. Now, one of the things that's frustrating when it comes to accessing working capital is, you know, banks don't give loans to brand new businesses. And nope. they typically they typically approve the, the kind of the running joke amongst entrepreneurs, both when it comes to investors and getting loans from banks is you can usually find all the one, all of it that you need Oh, wait, you can find as many as you want when you don't really need it. And when you do really need it, it is often very, very difficult to locate. We we had this exact problem at, at Venn Solutions. Now, this was back, say, 2008, 2009, 2010, during the recession. And we were in automotive, right? And GM is bankrupt and Chrysler is bankrupt. So we we're not really in the best of places. But our business was booming. But the banking industry was not a good place. And nobody would give us a line of credit. Until we were doing a million dollars a month in profit and didn't need it. Just the way then it they want to give it all. Then they want to give it. Then, then they'll ask you, how much do you want? Yeah. Start making all the money and we don't need it anymore. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, and that that's, and that's the frustrating world in life of, 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 of an entrepreneur and a founder and many business managers and people like that. So I'd probably a good time to, uh, give a reminder that you can get up to 750k in working capital with Pioneer's Capital Advance. That's attractive fixed fees and flexible settlement plans that ensure you'll always have the funds to handle your daily operating expenses. You can apply now at Pioneer.com forward slash funding and enjoy a 10% rebate on your first capital advance. Now, these kind of things, this, this, these are cash flow. Uh, working capital type loans. So, and I don't know, I, I'm not going to, I can't speak to Pioneer services, just meaning like, uh, you know, like they're going to look at all this differently. But the world of tech and fintech in general has made these kind of loans often very fast and easy and accessible. Now, they're not always cheap. But a lot of these, a lot of these options, you're going to hook up, uh, like there's a, a fintech startup called Plaid, that helps mm -hmm. connect users to, the bank to, your, to your bank account. And they're going to just look at how much cash flow you have coming in. Yep. And it becomes very algorithmic. And some of these things, you can get money in a day. Yep. You know, and, and that, and sometimes, the, and, and the benefit of some of that is even now, here's the thing is, I don't think those are good long-term solutions. And usually they don't even offer a payment a repayment uh, timeline that's like 12 months is long for a lot of those. Some of them are six months, nine months, and you'll pay them back really aggressively. Well, and some people even get those loans and only keep them out for like a week. 
Well, and that's the thing. We're talking about working capital, right? Which is totally different than, you know, somebody like Stackify is like, hey, we raised a Series A, we raised $5 million and we're going to go hire a bunch of people and burn all that money, right? That is not what working capital is. Working capital is more short, short term. Um, it's not like we're going to go spend a whole bunch of money and invest it in something and not get it back. It's it's more of working capital is a short term thing. So it's it's a different thing. Right. And this can be like similar to, you know, and we've used some of these tools at full scale, just as we've grown quickly. And you're just kind of bridging and leveraging these gaps that exist. And, you know, it's like, so one of the things that our business is like we mentioned with our, our payable cycle, we collect money once a month. So, you know, occasionally if you've got 20 new people starting or something like that, you might need to buy, you know, buy a bunch of stuff and spend a bunch of money and, you know, you only need the money for a week. And, and, you know, the first thing that most people would use is a credit card, right? Um, in the early days of Vin Solutions, I had two or three of my own personal credit cards that were maxed out. You know, in the early days of full scale, you know, we, we started up, we was like, Hey, well, we'll just use our own credit cards, whatever. We'll switch to some corporate cards or whatever later. Right. And so a lot of times early stage company, it's your own credit cards or, um, a business credit card you've registered that is that original kind of line of credit for these things. But eventually you outgrow that and you need a real line of credit with a bank or, use a service like Payoneer and, and other like that to help bridge the gap with line of credit. Yeah. So the things that I, that I mentioned, you know, that kind of approach and, and Payoneer, the, I mean, those are referred to as unsecured revolving lines of credit many times. And sometimes they'll stay open as credit lines and sometimes they're just paid back in uh, in a short term manner. But yeah, I mean, the, some of the things too, you just start a accessing working capital. Sometimes that is just quite honestly a, a, a card. Yep. credit card. Um, and a lot of people will use things like the Amex, the good old Amex gold card, you know, and that's yep. kind of a staple of, of business ownership. And you talk about leverage. Now you got to be careful with that because that's not a credit card. That's a charge card, which yes. means that whatever you charge within a, within a statement period, you're going to owe that same amount back in, in a month later, but a ton of people, uh, so, you know, I, I have a history in the ticket business and I can't, I have a, I had a book of gold cards basically. And, you know, we used to use those and we would buy stuff and sell it so quickly that it was never a big deal to continue making that payment. Yep. Now I will caution everyone. You got to, once again, you got to be really careful with some of that stuff. Cause if you, if you don't pay it back on time, it gets steep. Like not only are you not going to have access to the to the card anymore, there you might be agreeing to some really really insane penalties and fees and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean it it really can add up. So, you know, there's some other things too. You know, like we mentioned, Payoneer, and once again, thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. Um, you know, here locally, uh, we've got a company called AltCap, which uh, specializes in lending to uh, small businesses. And, you know, and, and sometimes serving, um, well, and sometimes working with underserved communities, meaning founders and companies and businesses that um, might not always have the same fair access to some loans. So you got to go out and look for it. And they, they do know, some more specialty kinds of things, don't they? 
Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, because that's the thing is, is if you're going to be a startup founder, especially a tech startup founder, you need to really be prepared for your business to be misunderstood by traditional banking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's well, like, the question it's, is why? Well, it's like the question's why? And, you know, we've talked about this so much and we use backlot cars as an example. And I'm not going to get too specific here, but Matt and I were on a call with the CEO of a bank who was asking our advice about how do we get in front of more startups? And I'm sitting there going, you need to learn how to understand our businesses. And it was actually you that gave an example because Backlot Cars and our former guest, Josh Parsons, um, had been acquired for $425 million the week before. And you, you, Mr. Watson said, I bet you wouldn't have given them a loan a month ago. Because they might not have been profitable on paper the way that the bank liked, but somehow were worth four hundred and twenty-five yep. million dollars to someone that wanted to buy them. They don't. Are they the, the biggest struggle as a tech company like Stackify or Backlot or any of those is they they want some sort of assets, right? But we don't have any assets. Our assets is code, but they don't see that as an asset. It's not like we have a warehouse full of stuff that they can, you know, use as leverage. Yeah, and in that same conversation, as an example, so Fullscale has has purchased over a million dollars in equity in other tech related companies, and um, I was I was using that as an example because that that isn't publicly traded stock. They get they would give us no asset value to borrow against, and at the same time. Uh, in that same conversation, the example was used because well, I, I asked, well, who do you give loans to? This is usually manufacturing. So I said, so there's a there's a semi truck full of bolts somewhere that somehow you would repossess and do something with. And you're letting someone borrow against that. But yet tangible value in a rapidly appreciating uh, business is get, is worth zero. And yeah. we were told I would rather have the equity in the startup than the than the bolts in the truck but the bank is restricted from doing that because they're they're due to certain types of regulations and rules they can't they can't acknowledge our our ownership and other businesses as being something worth leveraging into a loan but the bolts are somehow tangible well what the fuck are you going to do with the bolts if you go back and get them they're probably made for only one thing too like well and and you you really just hit the problem there when it comes to tech companies in general trying to have any kind of real bank relationship is is that like we're not profitable we're we're burning capital every month because we're growing and so we don't we don't show a profit and we don't have any assets so no bank will touch us and the the problem is as you mentioned, it has to do with risk and regulations and all those things, and the banks just can't do it. So, you know, we either have to go raise capital from a, a VC, or we can raise money through venture debt. Like Stackify used a, a company out of Texas that did venture debt, um, or you can access things like the working capital from places like Payoneer and, and solutions like that, um, but not a normal bank. <laughs> Well, let's talk about venture debt for a second, because that actually makes a lot of sense. And we were talking about Sandy Kemper, uh, who's been a great mentor and supporter of the show and everything. He actually recommended that we create our own venture debt at full scale. Mm -hmm. We did. We created it basically, and that's loans. We created our own own lending program. 
And that's how we funded it. And in lieu of selling actual equity in the company, which was a lot more complex and well, it was longer commitment. So, you know, you can go out and do some things like that. And uh, you do want to talk to an attorney and an accountant before you do that kind of stuff and make, make sure you're doing it in a way that isn't shitty or illegal because you don't want to do that. But I mean, there's a lot of different options and things that you can, you can embrace when you, when you get into that. And, you know, in your case, I, I believe the venture debt was often the kind that's often referred to as RBF revenue based funding. Yeah. Yep. And then we would pay back a small percentage of our revenue every month towards paying off the, the note. So if you grew faster, they mm-hmm. got paid back faster. If you grew slower, yep. they got paid back slower. Now, were you were was there a benefit to the the faster you paid back? Was did that benefit the company? Um, I mean, ultimately, we would pay less interest. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's right. their model. And so well, that benefits the company. Yeah, that benefits they, the company. Yeah. And they make a really high interest rate. Those venture debt places. Um, it's like you borrow a million dollars and you got to instantly pay back like two million, <laughs> and then it goes up every year. Like. They they're making making some bank on the interest rate of that. So, but some people will look at that and they'll go, "That's crazy! Why would you sign up for that?" But that non dilutive capital, it while that sounds expensive, if you were going and raising that money from investors later, when you you could that equity might be worth significantly more than well, the money you paid. That's why we did venture debt. That's why we it, created our own our own round. And if you're the one funding it, um, you have to look at it this way too. It's like, hey, I could have invested in in equity in the company, but if it all goes to zero, I get nothing. But if I loan them money and I charge them a high interest rate, I'm first in line. So if they sell later, I'm guaranteed to get paid back first because I'm debt. So in some sense, they have less risk as well. Um, so, so it's kind of so a win-win. Yeah. And so in our case, when we created venture debt, we started paying. So those are lenders, technically not investors. That's the way that that's phrased. And that's the way those things are written. And we started paying them back 60 days after they made a deposit with us and we paid them a return like an interest. And we had the ability to pay them earlier. And overall, they would all be paid in full within 36 months. And I got to be honest, that was that was way easier and a lot more straightforward and a lot less stressful than anything we did where we tried to raise capital and get real investors. And by the way, if you want to watch me on Startup Hustle TV and the moments after I turned down a million dollar investment offer, go to start go to YouTube and type it, type in Startup Hustle and you can learn all about it cuz that's the kind of stuff we're sharing. But yeah, I mean, Matt, is it stressful to go through investment rounds? It's exhausting. I mean, it's 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 just a lot of work, but then it's a lot of hurry up and wait and just waiting around. Are they going to make a decision? You know, it's just like it's just exhausting. Everything about it. I mean, my dad asked me at one point when it came to us gaining you know capital and whatever. He said, "Well, why would you want to pay that much?" I said, "You know, honestly." It didn't feel like a whole lot compared to the, the part of my soul that I have to sell to close an investment round. And, you know, until you've done that or you've gone through that process, I can't tell you how freaking stressful and lame and distracting and draining oh, yeah. it is. I mean, yeah, that's I remember- like you want you want na- you want nap time about every other hour, right? Oh, absolutely. The stress <laughs> of it. I remember some of the memories I have from my old Venn Solutions days 
um, my main business partner, CEO, is in charge of sales. And he's like, look, we got to make payroll next Thursday. Uh, we have a week to collect 50 grand. Go sell some shit and tell them to overnight the money. We got to do this now. We need the money now or you guys aren't getting paid next week. So go figure it out. And um, it would have been a lot nicer to have a small bit of money from Bayonier or somebody so we could just sleep and not worry about it. But <laughs> well, well, by the way, we're talking about accessing working capital. Sometimes that's a way to do it. You know, like yeah. get out the client list and start and, and call the people that believe in you, that believe in your services and say, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I need to collect some money. What can we do to figure something out? This is commonly done. This yeah. is done a lot. Can I give you a 10, a 10% discount to prepay your services for six months? And if it's if you're calling a business that's flush with capital, why wouldn't they want to do it? Well, and some companies are, right? Like take Stackfire, for yeah. example. If we raise a $5 million Series A and we got $5 million sitting in the bank, what are we going to do with it? Because that smart business for you, it, it lowers your overhead. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. Pick up the phone, dial it, call people, tell them, say, hey, look. And by the way, if you're going to make that call, you better have a win-win attitude from yep. the moment that person picks up the phone. Get right to the point and just say like, here, we'll simulate. Hey, Matt, it's Matt. Look, man, I appreciate all the business that we've done with each other. And I, I'm going to be straight up with you. I need to try to speed up my receivables a little bit. Would you be open to prepaying your services for three months? And I'll give you a 10% discount. You know, other Matt, I think that's a great deal. If I could save that 10% and uh, no problem. Sure. And that can be as easy as that. And I'm not kidding. It really can. And then sometimes, and get right to the point. Don't waste people's time. Because here's the thing is if they can't do, I, I just find that, because I've made those calls. I know what it's like. I've made those calls as a salesperson trying to make quota too. Yeah. Now here's the thing is if you've done a good job for your clients, for the people that you work with and all of that, hey man, I find that people are willing to help me out in the past, you know, like when I went before I was an entrepreneur and, you know, it's like, here you are, I'm working for someone else and I'm in the last few days of the quarter. And I'm, I'm like a couple sales away from making quota and earning a bonus. I, and I had done a great job. I had helped a bunch of clients do a bunch of stuff. My accounts benefited from having me as the rep. I would find that people understand, they get it. People are people and they're mm -hmm. cool with that. Now you got to be ready to deliver after that. Yeah. You know, because I'll tell you what, if you disappear or provide shitty service or don't appreciate it, and I would always, in those cases, I'd always do something. I like send a handwritten note or I just do something. I'd be like, I really want to appreciate you helping me out. Let me know when I can do that for you. That's something. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, what we've been talking about. Another thing that you can do if you need working capital is just not pay your bills. <laughs> and True. Hey, it's true. I mean, it, back in the Venn Solutions days, again, we we had all these problems. At any given point, we had like three or four hundred thousand dollars in bills that were unpaid, and ever on a monthly basis. And it's like you just paid whoever screamed the loudest, and then you just didn't pay him again for the next ninety days or whatever while you were paying it's somebody screamed else. Screamed again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it's sometimes it's it, what you got to do. Can, right? It can work. It yeah. can work. It's not recommended for no. building for building long-term successful relationships, but no. Matt does have a good point. 
it's now possible. on the flip side of that though like there's one group there's one group you don't want to slow pay and that's your own employees because yeah. i'll Payroll. tell you what nothing nothing will nothing will will form a wagon train on the way to the door in the parking lot faster than that um been there seen it done it it sends shock waves um and you know like that's and as a and i and matt i know you're the same way too like through and through and through like i will go mortgage something of my own to make sure everybody gets paid on time because they don't own the business like you do they're there to get paid on time and to do a good job and you will kill your company culture if people don't have confidence that their paycheck's going to arrive on time the the vast majority of employees the number one thing to them is always job security right nobody wants to yep. go home to their their spouse and be like uh we're not getting paid next week we can't uh, buy we can't buy groceries because my paycheck's late that doesn't really instill confidence so i got a couple other things that are working capital mistakes you might want to avoid and that's confusing short-term working capital needs and longer-term permanent requirements like you don't want to take out a short-term loan to buy real estate nope i mean it's usually not the best the best way to do it and you know it's like i mean also like you know like it can be tempting to use a working line of uh, capital line of credit to purchase machinery real estate higher permanent employees and you know different expenditures that call for for a different kind of financing you know it's like still in that same in that same vein and you know and then sometimes too that's that's where like the pioneers and 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 places like that it may sometimes you just need a seven-day bridge that's a completely different thing I mean, there's there's definitely some gray area there, right? If you're like, okay, full scale could hire another salesperson, and in the next sixty days they could sell some stuff that then they'd be able to pay their own salary. So it's like, oh, we just need to like a little enough money to pay his salary for like ninety days, and then he'll start being profitable, and then we could pay it back. And but yeah, that's not not necessarily. I mean, that's a gamble, right? You're you're gambling that working capital way, but you can do it. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, Matt. Yeah. That's what I always like to say in that. So you got to be a little bit careful with that. And, yep. and here's the thing though, like, Hey, you know, here I am and you know, 45 years old and I've been, I mean, I've been around the track a lot and you know, overall, like, I mean, dude, it's it as an entrepreneur, just the reality of it, it, it is plate spinning. It's I've been on the good side and the bad side of leverage before. And and the problem is, is if you get over leveraged, meaning you're borrowed and you're borrowing past the point of your ability to pay it back, uh, it can, you know, when the lever snaps, it's not good. It's not good. Yep. But I've, there are a lot of tools. And like I said, I, I and I think we've talked about quite a lot of them. I mean, this is like some of these things are are standard and just out there on the Internet. Some of them are a lot more creative. Um, and you know, overall you got to get to work, you know, working for it. Now, uh, one thing here, Mountain, but you know, before we wrap up, I want to just let everyone know that one more time that you, their Payoneer offers up to 750 K in working capital and, you know, their capital advance programs based on your store's earnings. So there's no credit checks, just funds and growth. Go to Payoneer. That's P-A-Y-O-N-E-E-R.com forward slash funding. There's a link in the show notes and, you know, go, go check it out. And they're going to give you, they're going to give you a few bucks off for being a startup hustle listener. Um, you know, like I said, I feel that we're, we're forewarned on that. Typically those things. And, you know, like there's some other things too, like, a, uh, 
you know, the ticket business, we would do that sometimes. Like there were things that, well, PayPal was one of them. Um, and cause we had received so many payments, we could sometimes, you know, we, we would be needing to spend a whole bunch of money the next day and we, and they take like 10% off of every deposit that would come in or I don't know, there's all kinds of weird shit out there, but you got to look for it. All right. So here we are, Matt. And we're, we, we've figured out which kind of capital we were talking about. I'm glad I got that right after a couple minutes. I mean, what, what are, I mean, what's your best advice or your takeaways here? Like what, what, what can we, what do we have to offer? What do we like? Well, when you're talking about starting a tech company, working capital is usually not as big of a priority, right? Because tech companies usually require a lot of investment. That's not really short-term capital to be paid back. Like you got to hire somebody permanently. So it's like, we got to go raise enough money to permanently hire this person. So usually startups don't have a whole lot of working capital kind of requirements. Um, But again, you got to start out with just your credit cards, money you put into it. Um, It's really difficult to get any normal bank financing. If you get in a, in a, in a spot and need a little bit of money, a service like Payoneer would probably be a good choice. Um, As we mentioned earlier, full scale's done it a couple of times. We needed a few dollars and you pay it back. That's what they're there for. They're great great services. And a lot of them are highly automated. You go online, like we said, you connect to your bank account and it pretty much immediately says, okay, we'll give you 20 grand or 50 grand, hundred grand, whatever it is. And you can have a line of credit at your disposal and it's a great services. So. Yeah. And I, and I agree with Matt. I think the best advice that I can have would be the, you know, back to the point about leverage. Like, you know, if you, if you do go, if you do access or lever up, any of the things, anything from a credit card to an account relationship to Payoneer to any of it, do it knowing that you can pay it back. And a lot of these things is you're going to get them plugged in and they're going to look at stuff and you're going to first think, you're going to be like, man, I just want to go ahead and get this paid back quickly. That's not always the right choice. Make sure you can pay it back early without penalty, but I usually pick the longer option for repayment. And knowing I can pay it early because it lowers the the initial commitment. Because remember, shit happens. Yes. And yep. if you're financing it, if you're if you're going and and levering out money on your name and the company's name, and you're hoping that someone's going to pay you, you better make sure they're going to pay you. Because the problem is, is if they don't, now you're double screwed. Yep. And you can, and if that's when I talk about the lever snapping and it can be really problematic. So just kind of know what you're getting into and look at the different options and get the one that's right for you. And, you know, I still, I still think in many cases, the, some of the most effective uh, access to working capital is from the people that are already paying you. Yep, Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, great. that's just my own experience is like, call up your clients, say, Hey, what can we work out? It's a great recommendation. They're, they're business people too. And you know, that that's usually quick and easy and, and can create some really great partnerships and grow the business. Cause look, when your clients and your customers feel like, well, I want to be the first person you call, you know what yeah. I mean? And when they feel like that, they feel it, it's good. Like, and, and that, that leads to bigger, better things. So Speaking of which, man, all of this has drained me. Is it nap time? Dude, it is nap time. It's Friday afternoon. It's nap time. Do you take a Friday afternoon nap? 
uh, this Friday. You're wine too today. <laughs> today is Good Friday, and I have the day off, so yeah, it's good. It's Good Friday, so it's a good. It's good for a nap. Yep. All right. I'll see. I'll I'll see you after nap time. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.